Good morning. Good to see all y'all here this morning. Thank you for joining us online. If you're worshiping with us online, where you're safe at home, where you feel like you need to be, thank you for all of us that are here. And um, so glad to see some of these smiling faces. We're going to start this morning as we sing 412, Jesus Hold My Hand. As I assemble here together and sing songs of worship and praise to you, Lord, and, and to be in each other's presence. Lord, please help us to focus this morning on you and, and stay centered so that we can take in as much of this as possible. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've given us. We're thankful for all the prayers that you've answered, Lord. We thank you for the the good report for Carol, for Mitzi completing her radiation. Lord, please be with Mallory at a recent break that she had in her leg, and also Judy Rust with her, with her wrist, Lord. 
Lord, we thank you that you sent your son to pay the ultimate price, Lord, that with that sacrifice, his blood cleanses us and gives us that opportunity, that ability to be with you, to, to live with you for eternity, Lord. And we are so thankful for that. Lord, please go with us during the rest of this, this service this morning and help us to focus on you, Lord. Again, we thank you for everything that you've given us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're going to sing 337. Hallelujah, what a Savior, as we reflect on the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who thinking how thankful I am that, that I've gotten to see Brian a lot the past couple months. I, I pray all the time. I always think about him, and uh, it, it's just so good to see him here, and, and I, I, think, I think he's starting to get a little color in his skin, <laughs> you know, so I'm so glad that you're here, Brian. So, it makes me feel so good that we're all together when I see people that, that I don't see for a while that are, that are struggling, so... All right, uh, let, us, let us do uh, the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be here this morning. We are so blessed to have such a, a large, loving family here, Father. I know that people can argue and, and want to battle everything that, that each other say anymore, but as we come here at the beginning of, of every week, Father, to to take the symbol that represents you, 
And it could be argued that it's once a month or whatever the case may be. I feel that it does, us, does me personally so good to come here every week to get that congregation, the love of the congregation, Father. And uh, I am so thankful that, that we are here once a week. As we take this bread, Father, um, let us be mindful that this represents your body, the sacrifice that you made for us, the how weak our flesh really is and how weak our spirits really are, Father. So as we take this bread, let us be mindful of how much you loved us and the suffering you went through. In Jesus' name. give thanks for the, uh, the blood. Heavenly Fathers, we take this emblem, the blood that represents your, your sacrifice and the, uh, everything you gave on that cross for us, Father. The, the, this blood represents that you wanted us to be one, that you wanted us to be united in your eyes and lift you up, Father, every day. As we take this fruit of the vine, let us be mindful of the love that you had for us. In Jesus' name. Offer up the prayer for the, for the offering now. We collect in the orange and the blue and the red and the garnet boxes, but still it's a chance to give back as we've been blessed. You join me in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the blessings we have, the physical blessings, Father, but most of all the blessing of your Son. Telling those about, about you and the things that you have done for us, the love that you have, we do need things that that the world we have to work through in order to spread your gospel, Father. Help them bless what we give here that we can use those most effectively to reach out to others, to help those that are, are in need, Father, to bring those that are in need into Christ to be with you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Before Brother Mike brings us this, the lesson for this morning, let us stand as we're seeing 716.
Good morning. It is good to see everybody here. Some of you, uh, it's good to see you again after you, the, the pandemic took us out for a while. And it's just good to see you here. We're still in 1 John. I think we might be here for 50 years, but we're making progress. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey this command live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we come before you this morning as your people to tackle a, a subject that for many of us is hard. I ask that you open our eyes and open our hearts And that you help us to be your people. And to know that you love us. I ask that you help me get out of the way so that people can see you clearly. I pray in Jesus' name. That little scripture we read, I went over and over and over, and what he says is it's actually a, a description of our prayer lives. What is pleasing to God and what God wants us to do whenever we're going to, to pray and how it's going to happen. And I, I've just got two points. That is good news. The first of the point is, that prayer is universal. What that means is everybody prays. Some at one time, some at another, but everybody prays. If you were in the military, you probably heard the old thing, there are not any atheists in the foxhole. When the gunfire is whirling over your head and things happen, people all of a sudden who claim they never believed in God believe in God and they pray. Two years ago, there was a woman who went mountain climbing in the desert and she fell and broke her leg. There was no way she was going to get back to where her, her Jeep was and so she laid there and she thought she was going to die. And this is her quote when she was finally found. 
I am an atheist. But when I thought I was going to die, I prayed my head off. One of those things that we say, she's an atheist, she wouldn't even know how to pray. No, when it came down to the nitty-gritty, she was there saying, I prayed all the time because I knew I couldn't handle what was happening. Research shows that this is not just a single case or something that just happens, but over and over and over when things happen that can't, they can't control, people get in a prayerful mood. I've even been in hospital rooms whenever I walked in and either the wife or the husband was looking at me and they said, would you pray? I said, well, anybody can pray. She said, we don't know how, but I want you to pray. Here's some people didn't even have an idea of what to do in prayer. But their mate was suffering. So they just wanted somebody to pray to a God that they didn't believe in for a long time. And you know what the hardest funerals are? I've done this for a long time. And the hardest funerals are with young people, children, teenagers, or young adults. When they die, it, it is something like a tremendous tragedy. When we were living in West Virginia, there was four teenagers who went out in a Jeep and they were having fun down by the river and somehow they lost control and flipped the Jeep and it ended up in the Mungahela River and they drowned. Man, there was a flock of teenagers there. But none of them understood why. When we lived in North Florida, a woman with five young children rode her car seven times. They all died. And it was almost like the mother, who was in her 40s, didn't count. Everybody commented on the children. And what you heard over and over again is, you shouldn't have to, to bury children. Why do people do that? They're people who, they think they're in control until they're not. They sort of believe that, that God is there and God's going to do it their way or they, They don't believe God has anything to do with it and they're master of their own lives. I had a young lady who came in for counseling in Pittsburgh and she says, I have been a faithful Christian now for seven years and I pray to God. And I said, okay, what's the problem? She says, I still don't have any dates. When I pray, I'm supposed to get what I want when I want it. And God's not supposed to hesitate at all. So if I pray for dates, he's supposed to line up guys that will come and ask me out all the time. 
In the end, you're only human. Children aren't supposed to die. Go back a hundred years. It happened a lot. Teenagers have got everything together. I've been in too many hospitals to believe that. Young people are supposed to live until they're an old age. You can't predict that. Well, where, where do we get an idea like that? It goes all the way back into the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve lived in paradise. God came down and actually talked to them and walked with them and they could tell him what they were feeling and God would respond to their situations. It, it was great. There was no harm. And then Satan came along. And he looked at him and said, is there anything that God told you not to do? He said, just one thing. He, he told us not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when we do, we will die. And Satan said, you will die. God knows that you won't die. He's just afraid because you'll become like him. You'll know how to run things. You'll know how to do things. Now, this is for me. I remember this. Sue told me all about it, so I remember what she told me. We just had our 50th anniversary. He's gone through persecution like this for 50 years. The guy right here is named Dion. Now, Dion, I wrote down some of his big hits so you could remember. He wrote A Teenager in Love, how hard it was to be a teenager in love. He read, he had sung The Wanderer that he was doomed to be a wanderer. He's the one who wrote Run Around Sue. He was touring the country with the other three biggest rock and roll acts that some say there ever was. Buddy Holly, Frankie Valley, and J.P. Richards, who was known as the Big Bopper. They were touring the nation on a bus. And Buddy Holly speaks up and says, I am really tired of going on a bus everywhere we go. It takes time. We get there late. We're tired before we perform. We're exhausted afterwards. I think we ought to fly. And I have found a plane that will fly us to our destinations for $35 a ticket. This is 1959. You won't get a flight for $35. But Dion and the Belmont said, that's too much. We're going to stay on, on the ground and on a bus. The first two destinations, it went well, and then they flew into Clear Lake. It had been snowing. It was slick. The plane took off for the next appointment, but they didn't make it. And three of the four biggest acts 
cease to exist. They were young. Buddy Holly was 23. Frankie Valens was 17. And the big bopper, he was all the way up at 26. Boy, did it affect Dion. Dion, though he was 19 years old, was already into the drug scene. He was a heroin addict. But when they died, it came as enough shock that Dion, who was going down the other road drinking and, and using hard drugs, said, I, I'm changing. For a while, he stopped singing while he got off drugs. He stopped drinking altogether, and then he established a belief in God. He's written some songs that were meant to commemorate his friends. Something like, bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Some good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing, this will be the day that I'll die. This will be the day that I die. He looked for people that he thought died too young. And he wrote Abraham, Martin, and John. Anybody here seen my old friend Abraham? You know where he's gone? He was writing of Abraham Lincoln. Assassinated before the time was right in his mind. Martin, Martin Luther King. John, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. All in his mind had died too young. But he's dedicated himself to living a Christian life and helping people get out of the hard drug scene. And that's why I think this morning's important. Because sometimes we look at prayer and we think it's, it's, I give God what I want, God decides what he's going to give back to me, I tell God what's going on in my life, God then deals with what's happening in my life, we just exchange. Well, that's not what it says. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth, how we set our hearts at rest, to underline this, if you underline anything in the Bible, in his presence. This isn't something where I can write a, an email and get rid of it. You know, you can hide a lot behind an email. My daughter taught me you can hide a lot behind Zoom. She talks about the professors who were doing the Zoom classes over at Northwestern, a highly prestigious Thing, and some of them wouldn't change into clothes because they were sitting at a desk and nobody would know anyway. 
So they kept their pajama bottoms on. Or a fax. You can write that information sort of saying, this is what's happening to my life. This is what I want. This is what I want you to do. And never really reveal anything about your life. But you can't do that with God. Because God's greater. And if our hearts are condemning us that we're not living his way, God knows it. Even before we sit down and try to inform him about what's been going on in our life, God knows what we've done already. So why tell him about stuff you want to know? He's not asking for a list of things happening in your life. He's asking for your presence. He wants a one-on-one -on -one summit when you know he's there and he knows that you're there. And we react that way. We react like Isaiah reacted. In Isaiah 6, he has this vision of God sitting on his throne and there are seraphims which are guardians so no evil approaches God and, and they're flying all around and he gets to see this. No other person ever got to see all this, but he gets to see it and you know what he says? Go away, I'm a sinful man of sinful lips living among an evil people. I, I can't get to you, God. I, I really, I can't be here. But yes, you can. Peter's another one. They've been out fishing all night. They haven't caught a thing. And they happen to be cleaning their nets when Jesus decides to speak and the crowds come and he steps in Peter's boat. And so Peter's keeping the boat steady and he finishes up and he says, now let's go out into the, the shallows and fish. And Peter says, well, we, we sort of do this for a living and we've been out all night. And he says, let's go fish. And he catches this load of fish that begins the boat sinking. And all of a sudden, Peter says, this is an ordinary man. So he comes to Jesus and says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. You see why it needs to be a summit? We're sinful people. We do things that are wrong. And because of that, we need to be into what it really means. In Hebrews, he sits back and he says, we have a great high peace who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we don't have the high priest that's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but with one in every respect that's been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We have a God that understands what it's like to be human. He's been tempted. He's gone through that temptation. He understands that we're sinners. 
Now, when you get in the presence of God, if our hearts don't condemn us, we can be confident before God. And whatever we'll ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. God becomes the centerfold. His will for our lives becomes the center of everything. We don't sit there and say, I'm, I've been praying to God, but I don't have any dates. No, that's her want list. It's not God's want list. The aim of prayer is to get yourself aligned with God and to do what pleases him. Point three, we have a transformed life and God lets us know we are his. This is the command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Is God changing your life? Is God putting you in the right direction? Is he making you stronger day by day? When you know that, you know you've been in the presence of God. And because you've been in the presence of God, you are living. If that's not your life, if you've sort of been running it your way, you've never repented of your sins and been baptized the way they were in Acts 2, we can do that this morning. But if you've once done that and you've taken control back, then this can be the moment that you come back to God and let him be in control. If we can help you get there, won't you come? Why, together we stand, why we sing.
Thank you, Mike. We appreciate each of you being here this morning. I have a few reminders and announcements before we close. First of all, as you probably already know, we're going to be supplying backpacks and school supplies to school children as they return to school soon. If you know of someone who could uh, use one, please let Sue Coleman know and please let her know before August 1st. Our food pantry will be open tomorrow and we uh, need some help to make that possible. Especially today, we need some help bagging bread as soon as we finish in here. So. If you can stay a while and help bag bread, please go back to the kitchen and help do that. I have some sick that I need to uh, let you be aware of. Mallory Boudreau was leaving her home to, to attend her nursing school pinning ceremony and she fell. She suffered a very serious fracture and some damage to the tendons and ligaments in her leg. Please keep her and Scott in your prayers. Fanny Wright, a member of the Park Avenue Church of Christ, suffered a stroke and is in very serious condition at Parish. Some of you will remember that a few years ago, uh, Fanny Wright lost her house to some serious damage and lost most of her clothes and, and uh, possessions, and, and we helped her quite a bit at that time. So please keep Fanny in your prayers. Continue to pray for Judy Rust who recently broke her wrist, and uh, all those on our sick list. We're sad to announce that Vivian Perkins passed away this past week. She was at her home in Michigan. Uh, please pray for her, her husband Clarence, and her sisters who, all of them are seasonal members here and very fine people, so please Keep that family in your prayers. And I have a note that I was asked to read. I would like to request prayers of thankfulness for the mercy and grace of our loving Heavenly Father for sparing myself and the other person involved from harm in the severe auto accident I was in this past week, and that he will continue to grant me comfort and peace and a positive attitude. And that's from Roseanne Truesdale. Please honor those prayer requests and uh, thank you. Let's stand as we sing this final song <clears throat> and then we'll be dismissed in prayer.
grateful are we, Father, for the comfortable facility that we have here to come together to hear a message from your word, to sing songs of praise to your holy name. Blessed are we to have a Savior to lean upon in life and look forward to everlasting life with you. Go with us now as we go our separate ways. We pray your protection as we travel. We pray that you look down upon each and every member of our congregation. We look to those who are in poor health. We pray for your wisdom as we go about our daily life. We pray that you be with us every step of the way until we meet again. For this is our prayer in Christ's name.